are starting a new series uh, today. Um, at one time or another, we've all studied and memorized one fact that we all know about snowflakes. Right? What one thing does everybody here know about snowflakes, chemist or no chemist? They're all different. And of course, we know that that's been used to illustrate humanity. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about snowflakes, but not much. There are interesting things about snowflakes. If you Google them and look at some pictures, you're going to see uh, some incredible, incredible things about snowflakes. Um, one of the things you will notice, perhaps, is though, though they are all unique, they are all built on the same structure. Did you know that? They're all built on a six-sided structure. Uh, there are some, there's some ones that they're, they're called needles. That's not a six-sided structure, but if you turn the needle this way, right, you would be looking at a six-sided structure. Now, everything is built on a six-sided structure for a snowflake. Now, they're all not the beautiful pictures uh, that you see in, in those blown-up photos. I was uh, reading that one guy, he, that's what he does. I don't know, he's a chemist of some sort for a university or whatever, and, and, uh, and his job, at least in the wintertime, I guess, is to take photos and look for these photos of, and he charts them and, and, and that's what he does. And he says he, he goes for hours and hours photographing uh, with these really huge things to find one of those really beautiful ones. He's like, almost all of them are these, uh, ir, what they call irregular snowflakes. They're, they're kind of oddball looking ones. Uh, but even in those, you can kind of see this, this structure. We're going to be using this as an illustration. Humans, as we know, are a lot like snowflakes. Um, a lot of us are, most of us are very irregular, right? There's, there's things about us that are irregular, yet all of us are built on a similar structure. Right? We're, we're all unique. Uh, but we're not so unique as we might hope to imagine ourselves. Um, we are built on a common structure. And sometimes our characters are lopsided in some ways. Huh? Uh, we might be lopsided over on this side of the structure. But uh, we, we're going to go through some basic human instincts that, that we all have uh, during the course of this. Um, and we, we wait some of those different instincts that we have. Uh, as we introduce this series, we're going to be looking at, not a six-sided structure, we'll look at five topics that identify our basic identity as humans. There's, there's probably more than this, but we're just going to look at five. These are the basic human desires. The perspective that we're going to be looking at however, is from the perspective of what humans are looking for, what we are seeking. Five things that we naturally pursue just because we're humans. Five things that you can't turn off. You can, you can try to control them. You can try. And, and as we seek these things, we're lopsided. Some, some kind of accented over here and some over here. But, but these are the five basic things that, that make us up. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. 
Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to be beginning in verse 1. He says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, and set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear also with Him in glory. Now the idea of this series is this, that, that the things that, that we desire about this life don't have a fulfillment here. They have a partial fulfillment, but they don't have an eternal fulfillment here. Right? They're temporary. They're, they're things that, that we seek, and then you kind of have to seek it again, and again, and again. But that there is somewhere, exists a, an eternal satisfaction for these things that we want. I'm not sure who it was, but um, someone kind of used a, an idea like this to, to, as an evidence for the existence of God. They said, you know, isn't it interesting that, that every basic desire of mankind has a fulfillment? You get hungry. Well, it's very convenient that there's a thing called food, isn't it? Right? Uh, you get thirsty. It's like, what would you do if you got thirsty and there was no such thing as, as water? Right? It's like, I drink soda. Uh, we have this, this, everything that man desires has a fulfillment. You can go back as, as far as you want in history. Man has shown a basic desire to worship. Man has to worship. So there must be something that is the fulfillment of worship. There must be a God, is the idea. And even in these basic desires, we see that they are not perfectly fulfilled here. These, these human instincts that we have are imperfect. And we're going to look at five of these, as I say. Even, we're going to weight these, kind of, but we're going to call them lower or higher. It doesn't mean that they're bad or good. God made them in us, so, so they're not bad. But the closer we get to the earth here, we're going to call those lower. Right? And the closer we get to heaven, we're going to call those higher. But none of these five are perfectly fulfilled here. And that's kind of the idea that we want to go through here. We crave beauty. Don't we crave beauty? There's a thing called art and music. All of the basic things that you crave have these fulfillments. And there is yet a greater fulfillment. So we're going to begin in Luke chapter 12 today. Looking at the, the most common thing that we need, that we desire as a part of our human existence. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 15. He said to them, Pay attention, beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. He spoke a parable to them, he said, the ground of a certain man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? And he said to him, 
I will do this. I will pull down my barns and I will build greater. There I will store all my crops and goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. So take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And then whose will those things be which you've provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. We're going to come back to this uh, text here and, and finish it out in a little bit. The lowest impulse, where we begin, the lowest impulse is our physical needs. I didn't say, and I want to remind us that these are not bad impulses. And we're going to look at these. But this text identifies within physical the, within the physical needs that, that we have, right, it identifies three different types. Three different things that, that everyone in here thinks about and you can't not think about. Okay? It says, eat, drink. He talks about fields and crops. Every one of us are programmed to think about our immediate provisions. Every night we have the same tradition in our house. Every night we finish supper and the next question is, one of our kids will ask me, what? No. What's for breakfast? It's like, I haven't even digested this meal yet. Can I digest this meal? We've gotten to where lunch after lunch, it's now what's for breakfast. I'm like, we still got another meal for tomorrow, Right? We, we think about our immediate provisions. It's important to us. It is human survival. It is our strongest impulse. It's given to us by God to keep us alive. It's not a bad thing. The next one, he says, I have things stored up for many Years. All right, now I've gotten to breakfast tomorrow. Okay, they're, they're comfortable with breakfast tomorrow. We've, we've got things under control. Now, the rich man starts thinking, what about breakfast 20 years from now? I want to make sure that I've got breakfast 20 years from now. It's not just my immediate profession, uh, 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 provisions, but, but I want security. I, I want long-term comfort. In mind. Well, that's really the third one. He says, be merry. So, I'm going to say to myself, eat, drink, provisions, for many years, be merry. We all crave comfort. I mean, what is the point of having stuff, right? If it can't make you comfort, it's what, it's what makes us go to college, and it's what makes us do... Whatever we do in life, we do things for comfort. And that's not bad. For none of these three things is this man criticized. And we're going to see that. We're going to look at some criticisms of this man. Now, we are irregular. All right? As I said, we are irregular. Some of us think really more about the immediate, and some of us think more, more, more about long term, right? And that might do with your age. <laughs> right? 
When you're really young, you don't think at all about your long-term future. You're pretty much the weekend. It's like, Monday comes, it's like, what happened to my check? Eh, It went to comfort. It went straight to comfort. There was no long-term provisions whatsoever. Now you've got, you know, ten days to figure out what to do with until you get to the next Friday that you get paid on. We're regular. My brother and I, or brother-in-law and I disagree on some things. That's not major. Uh, but uh, Patrick has some priorities, and I have priorities. We talk about working on our houses and things like that, and he would rather not work on his house. I would rather work on my house, and we have different reasons for that because we're lopsided. He says, the reason I have money is so that I don't have to do that. Right? I work so that I can pay somebody else to do that, and then I, I can enjoy myself. Right? So he's kind of a little bit more on the comfort side. I'm kind of stuck. And I was like, oh, i got this thing, project, and going on, and this project. But what am I doing? I'm thinking more about if I do this myself, if I don't do it too bad and end up having to call someone in to repair my stuff... <laughs> I've saved a lot. I know what labor costs. I know what that costs. That's worth more to me to absorb that so that I can have money, or more than I would originally, that I can allocate towards something, maybe long-term provisions, or, or maybe down-the-road comfort or something. We have, we're lopsided, and neither one of us is wrong. Right? We're just lopsided. Those are, we've accented a different side of these physical desires that we have. When we talk about like someone goes, I agree with that one. Right? Like that one's right, or that one's wrong. No, it's just the way we are. No two people are the same. And again, I want to stress the fact that for none of these things is this man criticized by Jesus Christ. These all, however have a higher fulfillment. And that's where the problem comes into play. Is this guy only looked at things at a completely natural standpoint. He did not elevate his mind at all. And so he, he addresses this viewpoint. Excuse me. So let's look at the long-term view. That's one problem. The first one is here in, in the text that we've read. You did not know that your soul is required of you tonight. That's the first problem. This guy was looking for his comfort down the road, which is not a bad thing, but he made he forgot one variable. <laughs> that was wonderful planning, but he forgot a variable. <clears throat> And that was he did not know how long his life was going to last. <clears throat> now imagine all the planning that goes into a construction project like this. We've had some fun <clears throat> with construction projects, right, guy? <laughs> Sore subject. And a lot of construction goes into this. And houses and barns and all the the things that this man had. And uh, God goes, congratulations, you built that and someone else is going to store their stuff in it. 
I had a lot of effort. Now, again, it doesn't mean that that we can't plan for the future. It just means we need to take into account the fact that we may not be around for it. How many people did it undertake for this project? How many? It just. I mean, I, I realize it's a parable. It didn't actually happen, but but it's a parable, and so it's a story. So so he's trying to drive a lesson here. All the things that that these projects and life and and provisions that we take into account, how how much of our time and and effort and involvement with other people and all these things, it it, it consumes a lot of time and a lot of energy, a lot of devotion. Solomon kind of referenced the same idea. You, you, You build it so that other men can spend it. What do Solomon and I, what do, what do we have in common? Not a whole lot. I'm not rich. Um, but we're all built on the same structure, aren't we? Solomon and I were built on the same structure. This rich man and I were built on the same structure. The drive of comfort and security in some way affects us all. It is the goal of every empire. No matter if your empire encompasses the entirety of Europe or if it just encompasses 1200 East Moreland Boulevard. Right? That's my empire. Right there. But it's all built on the same idea. And every empire collapses. There will come a point in time where it doesn't exist. I went to a funeral this this last year. And while we were there, I went and saw the dorm where I was during college. I should say I stood where my dorm had been. Because it's flat. It's dirt. It's all those memories. All those things I thought is like, it was so important at the time, and it's just it's it's level dirt, and no one knows. It's just it's gone. Every empire collapses, and time goes on. So the first thing is our long-term view. I want to read, continue reading in this text because he addresses two more things. He says to his disciples in verse 22. I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't plant. They don't harvest. They don't have storehouses or barns. But God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add a cubit, whatever that is, to his stature? If then... You're not able even to do the least of these. Why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies. They don't, how they grow. They don't labor. They don't spin. But I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory wasn't clothed like one of these. 
So if God then can clothe the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow it's thrown into the oven, how much more will then he clothe you, but you of little faith? Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink. Don't be anxious or don't worry. For all these things, the nations, the world seek after. Your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which don't grow old. A treasure in heaven, that is. It doesn't fail. Where no thief approaches or moth destroy, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he introduces this idea that we talked about, how, how everything has this eternal fulfillment. That there's an application for this basic desire that, that can't possibly be fulfilled here. You can't possibly build an empire that lasts here, even if you plan on leaving it to your kids or your grandkids. Someone eventually, not related to you in any way, is going to own the piece of dirt where you live. That's the fact. So he offers a realistic view of things. And he says, don't worry. Some say, don't be anxious. I want to kind of define, I want to split a hair, if I could, between anxiety and worry. Not all anxiety is bad. We talked about this on Wednesday night here a couple of weeks ago. Anxiety is what gets you studying for your final exams. It's what gets you out of bed in the morning. I, this morning I got up, I, I woke up like an hour before my alarm. Because usually I don't wake myself up. My wife wakes me up and she's not here. So I was deathly scared. I was so scared that my, I said both, I have two phones. One I don't use really, but it's a, like whatever else I want it for. It's for apps. And, and uh, so I set both alarms on my phones because I'm like, I, I'm going to be pulling in at like 9.30 or like, you know. I woke up an hour early, so I was so scared. Right? It, anxiety is good. It, it gets us out of bed. It, it, it prompts us to do things we should do. It's not all bad. But you can take anxiety to a level where it becomes a bad thing. It becomes worry. It, it becomes... You know, it becomes a fear of things that, that is not rational. And that's what he's addressing here. He's not saying we shouldn't have an emotion that gets us out of bed and puts food on the table in the morning. Eh, whatever. The scriptures are full of financial advice, aren't they? Full of it. About savings. Look to the ant. Right? There's all sorts of advice about the future and provisions and comfort and all these things. So he, Jesus isn't saying, don't think anything about it. It's not important. But he's saying, don't worry about it. Anxiety has its limitations, in other words. Some things can't be 
controlled. That's where we get into this problem of, of anxiety consuming us is, is when we get that feeling like I'm losing control of something. For all the worries we have, the majority of us have the same complaint. Don't we have the same complaint? It, this is a chemical equation, by the way. This is a math problem. Right? It's, it's, it's a pretty simple math problem. The amount I take in and I subtract the amount that goes out, I have a surplus. This week, we were on our way to Minnesota, and uh, Katie has a client that hasn't paid for things in a little while, and it's, it's craziness, uh, as all these things are. And it was, oh, the, the, this is in the mail, and, and it's an insurance check that comes to this family, and they reimburse because of, of the arrangement right, for an elderly care. And something was rotten in Denmark. And, and we think that, or I think that somebody was trying to pocket some money in between, and Katie hasn't got two checks. It's like $900. A little anxiety over 900 missing dollars, at least in my household. Maybe some of your households are like, meh. A little anxiety in my household. We sorted it out, finally, on the, on the trip up. I sent off a little email just to kind of, in her name. We figured it out. Here I am sitting at Taco Bell and I can't eat chips because I have like anxiety. The, the irony of that is, might be lost on you. I'm sitting in a fast food joint, see previous equation, <laughs> worried about things that aren't really affecting me in real time. And God says, you're in Taco Bell. <laughs> Worry. Anxiety. And for all the problems and the missing $900, I'm getting three squares in excess a day. I know that there are places in this world that can't say that. This is a general concept. And that's another problem. The long-term view, the realistic view, and the higher view. I want to talk about the third view, the higher view. He says, here's a big problem. You were not rich towards God. That was the higher view that was missing. The long-term view is you're not going to live that long. Realistic view is things get taken care of anyway. Long-term view is, or higher view is, really, your stuff is God's. And you haven't 
paid attention to God. That was really the criticism. Those are the three criticisms. It has nothing to do with whether he had stuff in his barn or not. And so, God says, you need to redistribute. I know when we hear the word redistribution, that kind of like, some of us get a little eye twitch, right? But I want you to understand that there's a difference between an economic policy and a personal Christian policy. And that's what we're talking about here. When things are forced on you, there's this one problem with that. Actually, there's a lot of problems with that. One, it's incredibly inefficient. We talked last week about efficiency. There is a point of efficiency. The more hands things go through, the less goes to the people that need it. That's efficiency. But it also forces people, or prohibits, I should say, a personal connection. Right? There's no personal connection to the help that I give. Now, someone might get help, but, but there's, there's no intimate thing when, when it's taken from me. And this is what Christ is addressing here. You should have given alms. You notice what he did. It was like, it's like a little shift. You weren't rich towards me. How was not rich towards me identified? You should have given alms. You should have helped people. That's how you identify giving to me. He wants a personal connection. Direct involvement is is far more impactful and it's far better stewardship. He says, seek first the kingdom. There's another aspect of that. Not just not just beneficial to people out there, but primarily for the purpose of leveraging things for the advancement of the kingdom. That's what it comes down to. God has the ability to redistribute as he sees fit. I had a time... And I think this might have happened to me more than once, but I know it happened once. Well, you get thinking, you do, and and you forget what's kind of going on. And I did that at an ATM. That's a very wrong time to do that. <laughs> Took my card and left, and spit out two hundred bucks or three hundred bucks. Merry Christmas to the guy behind me. I thought about that. Oh, frustrated. Oh, frustrated. And I thought, how do I know that the guy behind me doesn't really, really need 300 bucks? And God says, I know where to get that. Can you look this way for a few minutes? (laughs) And I did. I don't know. Or maybe I was just dumb. I don't know. But God has that ability to do that. Do you ever find money that you've misplaced for a long period of time? This is a good chunk. You're like, wow, I could really use that. Well, apparently, you know, a year ago when you put that coat back in the suitcase and you didn't think about it and it was there and you pull it out, you didn't need it. It's like all those little redirections. 
that God has the ability to do. God has the ability to redistribute as He wishes. But, but, if we do that willingly, there's a much more benefit to it. God can redistribute as He wishes. He says, why don't you take an active role in this? Be rich towards me so that you actually get the reward for it. Store up that treasure in heaven with a long-term, higher, more meaningful fulfillment of that is. Because here it's just temporary. Even if I give a meal to somebody, or even if I do those things, it's not bad to do. He encourages it here. It's temporary. It fixes a temporary problem. But to use things for the kingdom that benefit the kingdom long-term spiritually and help people out, that's, that's a fulfillment of this basic human desire that we have. For comfort and for provision. If we, if we get the provision for the kingdom in view and not just the provision for self. So we're going to conclude with this. Some application. These are examples of things. These are not, uh, these are not the sum total of things. How do we do this? I try not to leave people with vague concepts. The concept is there. It can be applied as you wish. In July, we've got a garage sale. For, I don't know what yet, but I know it's going to involve our kids and I know it's going to involve something spiritual. Some project that we will figure out over the course of the next year what we're going to do. With our youth. To help the kingdom. We have an opportunity to leverage some of the things that we've accumulated in those barns that we have. Some of those Amazon expenditures <laughs> that we've been bored at home and didn't know what else to do. So we just, right? That happens. We accumulate so easy. We've got a wonderful storage room down there. As soon as that's done, it's going to be full of stuff. Because that's how we do it. And it happens at my house. All of my stuff, when we moved here five years ago, fit into a little trailer. A little trailer. And you don't know more. That's one way. That's just an example. Leveraging the things that we have temporarily into something long term. There's another thing, though, that's a little bit maybe more even important than that. Man, not more important. Different. Different important than that. We are currently, as a congregation, not involved in any ministry locally. That's not entirely by our choosing. We've been involved with Family Promise, and they're really not doing anything right now. That might change 
But in the meantime, we've not really been involved in any ministry. Our congregation, as a group effort, other than some individual things that we do, Kim has a a VBS coming up in her community, and, and we might do little isolated things like that, which are good, but we are not involved in a single, long-term, regular commitment as a congregation in our community. That's a problem. We, we don't have any interaction as a group. Individuals, yes, you might. As a group, there's nothing regular happening. That needs to be remedied. There's lots of ministries out there. Tons of things. And those are changing even in our society and in our communities. We did that, what, when the first year we were here? Let's think of some. Let's put some ideas together. Can't do them all. But we can do something. And that's the illustration I'd like to close with. A girl and her father, you probably have heard this before. But I like the illustration. girl and her father walking on the beach. Tide's gone out. And all along the beach, there's these starfish and right, seashells. And the, the little girl, she goes and she, she picks one up and throws it into the water. She well, throws it into the water. Happens for about five minutes, and the father, she bends down to pick up another one, and he goes, what are you doing? She says, I'm I'm saving the starfish. He's like, there's millions of them. What difference does it make? And she said, to this one, a big difference. We, We can't do all the ministries. But we can get involved in our community. And we can make a difference with some of them. We have to do that. That has to be a priority. I, I believe we have a, a quarterly meeting or something coming up. I think that's the, kind of the, the things where we start the initiation into to discussing some of these things, new business, right? I think that's how it goes. Let's put our heads together. Think of some things where we as a congregation can leverage our, our abilities, maybe money, Maybe just abilities, our time, very valuable commodity. And engage with people. Not just send a check. But engage with people. And make a difference. An eternal difference for the kingdom.